0: and welcome to Way2Twog's Bagpipe and History Podcast, where I, your host Jeremy, explores the possible repertoire of 18th and early 19th century bagpipers. Come and let's enjoy some tunes. Hello, so I'm in the weird position of trying to begin my bagpipe podcast with a spoiler warning. Um feel like saying that you need to spoil the warning for this is misleading. It makes it sound as if King of the Blind, the new album that's coming out in a couple of months by Joya Barda, is secretly a rap or like a hip-hop thing or electronic. It's not that. But there is some, and some pretty awesome musical experiences with this album that I kind of hate to talk about because I don't want to rob somebody else of having a similar experience. So if you know you're going to buy King of the Blind, and you should, it's amazing. Um... And you haven't watched Joey's trailer yet, and you'd just rather go into it with, like, good open mindset, some good high-quality headphones, not knowing what's coming, I recommend skipping ahead to 19 minutes and 15 seconds. Okay, so if you're still listening, you know, fair warning. And this is almost certainly not necessary. Like, obviously, everyone's listening experience is going to be different. And it's different every time right like that's how music works that's how everything works when you consume a thing it changes you've got a different thing going on for me i'm pretty exhausted all the time <laughs> lately right um and so uh i forgot that there were some things featured on on the album and it just kind of came as a surprise and so i'm going to try to recreate that for you i guess i'm just going to play the second and third track off the album and i'm not going to talk about them until afterwards to see if you can like replicate it i'll talk a little bit before here and then we'll talk a lot afterwards i suppose but uh but yeah so it's a solo album right it is a joy abarda album it is everything you kind of expect that to be which is um, kind of masterful piping that sounds effortless but you know it isn't effortless because of the technique that he's pulling off but also because Joey doesn't do like a crap ton of takes and polishing up so there are errors in it and they feel appropriate like it makes it seem real and human and good kind of sails it I kind of wanted to talk about this album on the last uh, episode of the podcast because like Joey's the reason I got, he's one of the reasons I got a flat set of pipe, or like a flat channer a C channer, Um, because I remember watching his um, Sunday piper hangout whatever the the Southern California piper club was doing for a while during COVID Um, and he talked about playing a lot of flat pipes around his baby uh, babies, baby at that point, and um, and that it was just a little bit easier on their ears. And I was like, well, I got a baby, and I'd kind of like flat pipes anyway. And it's totally true. Like, uh, Robin can hang out and play right beneath the channer. Um, I mean, he could do that with the D one, the D channer too, but it's just a little loud, and it makes me kind of self-conscious. And so I don't feel comfortable doing it with the concert pitch channer. But the C channer... This is nothing like the whistles I play at them are, are louder than it. Um, and so I want to kind of highlight some of the, the flat pipes. So on the album, Joy plays a D set of Kohler-Quinn pipes and a B set of Kohler-Quinn pipes. And uh, yeah, they're both absolutely lovely. So let's start. We're going to start with track two um, and then we'll play track three uh, after that. Track two, um, the tunes are, let me get the name for you here says any jig will do the black rock and top it off and then uh track three is uh that's the longford piper the ballantore fancy follow me up to carlo um yeah so anyway this first one that we're gonna play uh which is track two on the album it's a really great example of joey's skill and restraint like he does a a fancy Kind of howl. I don't know if it's a hard um, second note up thing or what, but he does a, a cool embellishment choice that, like, I know myself, I don't have the restraint to not do those things all the time, you know? And it's like, it's a special skill that a uh, lot, like, Joey is not the only excellent allen piper that pulls this off of like yeah i'm making a cool sound and i'm not doing it every time so that it remains special like this isn't even unique to allen pipes right like this is sort of the important thing to keep in mind as any musician is like yes your instrument can do cool things the trick is to consider your audience and not make them listen to you do the cool thing every time so that it can still stay cool or like so that they know it's cool right and not that they just always assume that that's the way it's supposed to be and this this tune uh, or this this track i think really best demonstrates that for me so anyway i'm just going to play track two and then straight into track three and try to kind of replicate that experience i had of um enjoying this music and kind of getting lured into this solo illen piping album and kind of how it can change things. So, anyway, sit back, relax, get some nice noise-canceling headphones on if you got them, um, and just enjoy these amazing tracks from King of the Blind by Joya Barda. so good it's so very good like ill pipes already lend themselves towards building right like you can turn the drones on as you play you can add regulators you can take regulators away you can play chords you can play like bouncy accompanying notes it just has a lot of variety for being a solo instrument and the i don't know this album made by the third track by two thirds of the way through the third track. I'm just like, yeah, why would I ever listen to an instrument to anything other than solo Ellen pipe albums? Like these are perfect. This is perfect. Everything about this is perfect. I don't, I don't need anything else in my life. And I was walking to school with noise canceling headphones, uh, in, and like all of a sudden the footsteps started, like hearing Jackie's dancing kicked in. And I, I like, it shocked me. It shocked me so hard. <laughs> like I, spr- I looked around, I was convinced that like a car was about to hit me or something. I was walking in a parking garage. Um, and then when I realized that it was dancing and it was in the recording, it was like, I, I was like, wow, that's amazing. That's perfect. It's beautiful. And then I got angry because I was like, how have I not heard this before? Like, um, when, you know, and I know like lots of people play for dancers, right? And um, and Joey's been making sure to like highlight Jackie's dancing and other people's dancing in his performances for years too. But I've never heard it on an album before, I feel like. Like, I'm, I must have, I must have, right? Like, this must happen all the time, right? But I don't think I have, like, I've never had that experience. I've enjoyed watching, like, I think what the difference is is when you see. Like I've watched a number of house concerts, or maybe even in-person concerts. But I've watched a number of house concerts that Joey has done, where Jackie comes in and dances, Um and it's like okay, cool. I'm watching, I'm watching Jackie and like appreciating the dance moves. But I'm also like watching the piper because I'm a piper and I want to see the the bagpiping happen. Right. The not seeing the dance but hearing it was like incredible. Like it was so. It was, uh, anyway, that was the thing, that was the emotional thing for me, that I, I got angry that I hadn't heard it more often, um, and it was just so perfect. It was just so oh, absolutely perfect. And I don't, like I said, I, it's it's a foolish thing to be like, I don't want to spoil this for you, because like, the reason that it hit me so hard is because I was exhausted, right? It's because, um, yeah, it's because I was exhausted, <laughs> But like, it's really good. It's really good music. Um, and anyway, it, it, it literally made me emotional. (laughs) And like, I, uh, you know, airs are the thing, like airs are what make people emotional. That is what they are for. Slow airs are there to make you emotional, right? Like to show off the music and to let your emotion drip through. So it's pretty, it was pretty awesome to be listening to a set of tunes that was not an air to get me like, Oh, I am weeping a little bit. I'm going through all kinds of waves of roller coaster. I'm not going to play the next track. Um, but, like, then the way that this album is organized, the next track is Joey playing Storm McCree, which, like, you can already hear his setting or his version of Astor McCree, kind of, on an older set of pipes. and I think it was on a concert pitch set. But sort of, you can hear how, how much he will just shred with Astor McCree. But this version that he's doing um, also made me emotional. So it's just, the album's incredible. Like, you've got to check it out. Um, King of the Blind, um, I'm hoping to, I don't know, if, if you're... I might I might try to get Joy on to talk about something. There's another, he plays Gary Owen on it, and I've been meaning to talk about the history of the tune Gary Owen for, for a couple years, honestly, and now that I live um, kind of in Dakota country, um, like I've always heard this rumor that... Um, I've heard heard from a friend of a friend, heard from a friend that a mutual friend told him not to play Gary Owen because um this this mutual friend is Lakota and um like everybody still is pretty pissed off about Custer, you know? Uh and Gary Owen was the tune of the, the seventh Calvary. Uh seventh Calvary? My brain wants to say ninth now, but it's gotta be seventh. Um and I've wanted to like look into the history of the tune and also kind of see if this was more than just uh, my friend Ruben trying to get another friend to quit playing bagpipes or something. (laughs) But... um, but anyway, so I, I'm curious about talking to Joy about the tune, maybe on a short little interview on the episode, or, or at least begging off uh, his setting of it, because again, it's, it's awesome. Um, King the Blind is a set of tunes he's been working on for a very long time. And if you've seen any of uh, Joy's performances over the last um, many years, you'll recognize a lot of the tunes, but um, man it's masterfully done. It's really well put together. So, uh, anyway, thanks Joey for the opportunity to get a sneak peek at it and hope everybody enjoyed it. And thanks Jackie for that incredibly musical dancing. Like I'm not a, I'm not a monster. I appreciate dancers. I think it's cool looking. I'm very happy when people dance while I'm playing and I appreciate that what they're doing is hard. Um, So I feel a little bit bad that the thing that really changed my world about dancing was listening to it rather than seeing it. Because I I know it's a visual medium, but like, holy crap, what a good, what good music that it makes. Um, All right. Anyway, that's me rambling on long enough. Let's get on to uh, the rest of the episode. All right, so a little bit of a a peek behind the scenes here. Actually, recording this review of *The Blind* uh, or *King of the Blind*, rather um, review. Several days after I record an entire episode and away from my office. So the sound quality is going to shift a little bit here. Uh, I also wanted to update you. I talked to Joy today, uh, told him I was releasing the episode and uh, where I should link to. And yeah, you can find everything on joyabarda.com. I'll have links in the show notes. But most importantly, this album is dropping March 31st. So you'll be able to pick it up on Bandcamp or digital copies uh, just in a couple weeks. And really encourage you to. Uh, I know like I played two tracks in a row and it's some really great two tracks, but you know, I, I mentioned in the review, then the third track after that is a storm of Cree. So like two, three, four, and then five, um, yeah, two, three, four, four is storm of Cree, And then five is again, just like, it's awesome. Like today, listening to the album again, driving around, I got through, um, the first six tracks and like, yeah, every one of those flows beautifully. And that's, um, it's a really hard thing to get right and to make feel good where, um, I don't know. I just know that when I'm designing my albums, it's the hardest part is deciding the order in which they go. And uh, King of the Blind has an exceptionally good uh, flow of music. Uh, anyway, I'm going to wind up spending another 20 minutes talking about this album. So I better just stop and uh, yeah, tell you... Look forward to seeing the album on March 31st, and thanks for listening. Uh, we're going to cut into me talking, as if I haven't already been talking to you for 20 minutes, and uh, also going to be referencing the kind of sound issues, in my opinion, of last week's episode, or last episode, rather, where I used a different quality microphone in my home office. So, anyway, let's get on with the show. All right, back to normal, A eh? Um... Yeah, so I thought I would like, <laughs> I thought I would like the sound of that Samson uh, microphone in my office. I hate it. I hate it. Uh, there are definitely some things I prefer about recording in my office versus at home, but that microphone is not one of them. Um, anyway, so we're back to normal, back to recording in my basement office. I have repositioned the desk uh, so it's in the middle of the room, and um, I'm recording over a carpet, whereas before I used to be like kind of pointing into a, a corner. And I thought the sound quality might be better, but it actually feels like it echoes more rather than less. So uh, anyway, we're still figuring stuff out. I actually have a second, uh, my, my old Zoom recorder I was thinking about taking to my office to use when I'm missing a cable for it. Anyway, this episode is going to be a little bit uh, different than what I had planned on doing. I had hoped to finally get the Lark in the Morning episode out, but uh, it turns out I only had four tracks recorded for that and not like the dozen in my memory. Um, and... I ran out of time. I just absolutely ran out of time. So uh, I've been a single bachelor here for better part of a week, and I imagined I was going to get ahead and get all this work done, but instead uh, the amount of work I had just swelled to fit that space. And um, so, yeah, so didn't get to dig into the podcast as much as I'd hoped. But uh, what I did get to do was play Highland Pipes, and I haven't really played Highland Pipes for months, and it was, uh, it was a delight to get back into... You know, kind of my home instrument uh, is what it, what it feels like. But I have definitely neglected a uh, Highland bagpipe since Robin was born. So uh, this episode isn't going to be terribly long, probably. Uh, I'm just playing through kind of the next uh, five pages of Donald MacDonald's uh, collection of dance music. So this is published in 1828. I kind of stuck the first ten pages or so onto a um, an episode last season when I was uh, looking at Barry Shear's new book, so this one is just going to be a through of those tunes and maybe I'll explore some stuff. But mostly, this is just going to be those tunes. I didn't want to leave you with no episode for uh, March because I'm going to be kinda I'm hopping on a plane tomorrow and uh when I'm recording this tomorrow and, and flying to North Carolina where I'll be away from my bagpipes and my recording stuff. So it was sort of like, oh if I don't do an episode now, we're not gonna have one for all of March. So um so yeah, here's me getting familiar with Highland Pipes again and uh tucking into one of my favorite collections of music, honestly. So uh, I was gonna do William Gunn. I was gonna start a William Gunn playthrough, but I'm just not as comfortable with that music. Uh, it turns out I am very, after years of kind of playing Donald McDonald and uh, looking at his tunes and how he writes things, I'm very comfortable with that. And I haven't quite learned, I haven't learned William Gunn's style yet. So uh, we'll, we'll get there at some point, but it's not going to be a, uh, oh, quick, I need to do an episode, episode on William Gunn. It's going to take some work. So anyway, first here is uh, on the 10th page of the Kill Sean version of donald mcdonald anyway is the ranting roving highlander and yeah it's a cracking good tune just love the way that he writes Tarluas. Uh, he uses a grip and then just a, an E grace note. And it was, it felt like I had unlocked something special when I realized that like, oh, that's a Tarlua. And the use of Tarluas is uh, really cool musical, really cool and musical. Uh, anyway, the next tune is a Stress bass is Miss Montgomery. Yeah, another thing I'd like to do when I have more time is just, um, I'd like to just do an episode, like, using the podcast as an excuse to do the practice I need to do, you know? Like, I'd like to do an episode of just playing stress-based so I can get comfortable with it, because um, it's still tricky. I had to, after trying to play that tune a bunch, I finally resorted to, like, putting on a uh, metronome, which helped out significantly. Like, who knew? Playing with a metronome helps. This is wild. I kind of only resort to metronome playing when I'm trying to overdub things and forget that it's a stupid tool not to use <laughs> as a musician. So here's me advocating. Get ye to a metronome. Uh, it's it's good. Uh, all right, next tune is a reel, and also a tune... Oh, no, next tune is just a reel. This is because he was a Bonnie lad. Um, this tune I don't really experiment with, but, man, does it feel like you could rip this tune, like... There's a couple... I want to experiment, um, maybe for the next album or something, just looking through these tunes. Like, some reels have a lot of body to them and have, like, some melody and some interesting rhythm things going, and then some just are sprints. They just feel like, oh, this is a tune for sprinting through. Like, a lot of the Eliza Ross tunes feel like, oh, this is meant to be taken at a sprint and not meant to explore. Um, And there's a good number of Donald McDonald tunes like that, too. So, anyway, because he was a bony lad... This next one i recognize as a folk song and i won't tell you what folk song i recognize it as and we'll see if uh, you can place it uh, and then i'll see about playing it for you so anyway this next tune is miss m mckenzie recognize it. To me, it sounds a lot like a, a tune called I Come Home. Um I've heard a couple different versions of it, but that's the version I sing. I can't remember where I got it from and I kind of don't have time to look it up, but I'll sing it to you. Um but it's tricky. It's like one of these challenging tunes that jumps an octave um in a mean way. <laughs> um so I took a couple cracks at it with different pipes and I can sort of do the whole sing along and play thing with my C chanter. So anyway here is me butchering um, the spoke song. Oh, 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 oh. I come home so drunk I couldn't see. Over, oh, there I saw a horse where no horse should be. There I says unto me, Wife, tell unto me, Oh, why is a horse where no horse should be? There, you old fool, you silly fool, can't you plainly see? It's nothing but a milk and cow me mother sent to me, Oh. Miles have I traveled, a thousand miles and more But a saddle on a milking cow i never seen before Oh, I come home so drunk I couldn't see Oh, there I saw some boots where no boots should be There I says unto me wife, tell unto me Oh, why are there boots where no boots should be There Yo, fool, you silly fool, can't you plainly see It's nothing but a flower but me mother sent to me Oh, miles have I traveled a thousand miles and more But laces on a flower pot I never seen before Oh, and I came home so Junker couldn't see Oh, there I saw a hat where no hat should be There I says unto me, wife, say unto me Oh, why is a hat where no hat should be there? Oh, Yo, fool, you silly fool, can't you plainly see It's nothing but the chamber pot me mother sent to me Oh, miles have I traveled, a thousand miles and more But it happened on a chamber button never seen before, oh. i come home so drunk i couldn't see oh there i saw a man where no man should be there says unto me wife tell unto me oh why is a man where no man should be there you old fool you silly fool can't you plainly see it's nothing but a baby me mother sent to me oh miles have i traveled a thousand miles and more but whiskers on a wee baby i've never seen before enough to get the idea um yeah still struggling with what to do with that bass drone uh I, I gotta get i just gotta get a cork uh, if you could hear it kind of come in and gurgle along it's because i taped it shut and then eventually it had enough pressure to like spit up a corner of the tape um anyway here is the next one from donald mcdonald this is the old favorite uh bog and lock and... Another one we've definitely played on the podcast before. This is uh, Will Gang, Namor to Yontown. Shows up in a lot of collections, and it's kind of a fun tune to monkey around with, which I think I knew a little bit in this recording. pretty vanilla uh, all right and next is uh, another tune that i have played a bunch on the podcast i think uh fill the stoop this is another one that like this is one of those that just rips um and it's a it's a three-parter this one i did some more funky stuff with but it's a it's a three-part reel which feels pretty rare um and it also feels like the kind of thing that i want to spend a lot of time um experimenting with in the future but uh anyway here is fill the stoop this next scene feels a little different too this is the miller's fair daughter and it has a um it has a high a follow uh, high a quarter note followed by high a eighth note with no gracing in between and it really just um feels like the perfect tune for highlighting high a's and kind of bending up to them a little bit but now you hear what i'm saying it's a it's a cool tune here's the miller's fair daughter Right. and then next is one of the few jigs in the collection i've definitely heard people ask me um like I, I feel like at an irish session once somebody asked me if um like what the difference was between scottish music and irish music and they were under the impression that there weren't just that, like that uh, scottish music just didn't have jigs in it full stop um and i was like no we got plenty of jigs but it's kind of fun looking through these collections how kind of jigs are just as rare in scottish music as reels are in the irish collections from this era like um they're definitely yeah there's a reason that it might give that impression uh, anyway so here's lady whimsy's jig i did this one a little bit or Wemyss's jig i always call it lady whimsy's jig but lady Wemyss jig um anyway lady Wemyss jig uh i played it without paying attention to the gracing at first, because I think it's it's sort of an interesting four-parter that way. Because again, Donald McDonald does some cool stuff with the gracing, but if you ignore the gracing and don't realize how he writes grips and things sometimes, um, it just seems like a kind of boring jig. Uh, so the second time through, I play it more as written and you'll hear a lot more kind of grips and things to, to break up the melody. I, I think it works, but anyway, here's Lady Wemmes' jig. And similarly, uh, on this next tune, Peace Straw, a tune I've, I've played before, and it's definitely, uh, one that shows up in tons of 18th century collections, but Donald McDonald does a weird thing of not having grace notes, like really rarely puts gracing in this. So, uh, I'm going to play through it fairly slowly first. Um, this is also in my version, um, Peace Straw is on the front and back of a page. So there's an awkward, like, pause as I turn the page. Um, but it's, uh yeah so i'll go through and play it kind of as written and you can notice how rare the gracing is um and then i I went through and played it a second time a little bit funkier and i kind of feel like maybe that's the point is that i'm not going to grace this because either you're going to play this so fast that you won't be able to grace it or um do what you will is sort of how i'm interpreting that but uh, anyway here peace draw i'm sure that my version of this is influenced on some of the, the many other settings i have um, played in the past i think i have a whole deep dive episode on peace draw you can look through the back catalog i'll link it in the show notes if i can find it uh, anyway here is peace draw a couple different ways And the other interesting thing this might be a typo <laughs> like i am not sure but um i'm gonna play the the last tune um for donald mcdonald here is a tune called the jolly gardener this is the last tune on page 15 and it's uh i think it has a rest in it like it could be a typo it could be a weird transcription choice i should probably um look at the national library of scotland's version rather than the kill Sean version to see if it's also there but it looks like the leading note has a rest and like I've definitely seen tunes where they don't have a leading note on the second time through if they had one on the first time through. I've never seen it written as a rest. Um, so I don't know. So I again, I took that as license to monkey about with it a bit. So uh, I'm going to play it through once. I'll just give it to you how it's written. Um, and then I'm going to use it as an excuse to do some experimenting. But first, anyway, here's how it is written, the Jolly Old Gardener. is kind of using that rest as license to play around with, uh, minor keys and bringing drones in and then stuff. Cause like, if you have a rest, that's a great opportunity to change up your drones, right. To, um, adjust the pressure, let something come in that you've, you've shut down and, and that sort of thing. Um, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, short episode, uh, like I said, this is a stopgap cause I was afraid with traveling and all, we just wouldn't have an episode at all, uh, for all of March. And mostly cause rather than doing a deep dive into all the different, um, kind of Lark in the Morning, Over the Hills and Far Away tunes, I just fell in love with Highland Bagpipes again this week. Uh, turns out, it's a good instrument. Uh, I had, you know, when we moved up here, I bought a new set of drone reeds and some new chanter reeds, and I didn't really get a chance to experiment with them much because I it got too cold to play outside and just busy, <laughs> quite busy, and uh, I've kind of figured out that if I'm playing in the basement, uh, I can do that while Laurel and Robin sleep and they don't hear it. Um, with the Irish pipes and border pipes, but um, I can't imagine that that's the case with Highland pipes. So it means that my Highland piping ability doesn't really work. My um, my piping room is right beneath the living room, and the like. If you're downstairs and across rooms, the sound is pretty well insulated. But just up and down, there's very little insulation. So uh, if I try to record while something's happening upstairs, you can hear it, and they can obviously hear me too. So. Um, that has meant that it's kind of tricky to figure out where highland piping can happen. Uh, I've got a heated garage, um, but I don't want to heat up a whole big garage and pay that <laughs> just to like run out in the very below freezing weather and be paranoid about freezing my reeds and all that stuff. So uh, this is just going to be the way it is for a while, uh, and I'm, I'm cool with that. Um, but maybe, maybe not. I guess I miss them. I miss highland pipes more than I realize, so we'll see what happens when the house is full again. Uh, all right. Anyway, here is the jolly old gardener and me using the rest as a license to experiment and do some funky minor key stuff. So, sorry for the short episode. Uh, if you want to check out more, there's a pretty big back catalog of uh, bonus episodes and kind of random tidbits and things on the Patreon feed. You can go to Patreon.com/WayTooTweag. Also, we've like well past a hundred episodes available on the feed here. So if you haven't uh, haven't listened to all the show, you know. It's a good time to go check out stuff if you wanted 30 minutes more of me bagpiping and chatting. Uh, I think, really, the show comes into its own by Season 5. It's a pretty pretty solid back catalog place to start. Even some of the old Season 4 stuff is good, but the first maybe 10 episodes are me waffling and figuring out what I'm doing. So, Anyway, cheers, everybody. Hope you have a uh, happy uh, spring break. If you get one of those, um, and yeah, a good gigging saint patrick's day for all the pipers that are doing that pretty aggressively it's kind of weird with uh having family in different parts of the country and using spring break to see loved ones means that i haven't really done a saint patrick's day gig in a very long time and i'm kind of okay with that uh it was pretty nice when i was like a poor college student be able to make a couple hundred bucks um and get into bars i shouldn't have been in but uh yeah, I don't, I don't really miss that, I guess. And that's thanks to you. Uh, that's thanks to y'all giving me an audience and making me feel like it's allowable that I can just play music that I want to hear. So anyway, thank you, my listeners. Uh, yeah, we'll see you later. Uh, like I said, here's a jolly old gardener complete with me monkeying about a bit. I kind of, the narrative here is that, uh, I start in minor key stuff because a jolly old gardener is maybe a little scared and nervous and angry as uh, getting everything in the garden. Uh, And then what makes them jolly and old is when everything comes up. So it it turns happy uh, the second time around once we take advantage of that rest. So anyway, cheers everyone. Here we go, jolly old
1: gardener.